Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Preach the Peach. I'm Sage. And I'm Alyssa. And we're the co-founders of Peach Pack, an online community that is having pretty radical conversations about womanhood. We're bringing late night sleepover chats from behind closed doors straight to your ears. Hi Peaches, welcome to part one of our two-part series chatting with the one, the only, Flex Mummy. On this episode, there is no fluffing around. We are getting straight to it as we pick Flex's brain on ways to cultivate a deep love and respect for yourself and your body in the bedroom. For those of you living under a literal rock, Flex (laughs) is a best-selling author, DJ, podcaster, TV host, and founder of Flex Factory. The Flex Factory is creating games and tools to empower people to have deep and meaningful conversations, which is exactly what this combo was. She doesn't just talk the talk. She walks the walk. (laughs) Stay tuned till the end so you get a little sneak peek of what part two has in store. Okay, let's get into it. Basically, we get a lot of DMs from our community who say, you know, we love talking about masturbation, we love talking about orgasms, but something we're really struggling with is finding confidence in the bedroom and with intimacy. Mm. And that is something we have struggled with. But yeah, we just wanted to have a really great DNM on body confidence in the bedroom. Yeah. I think it's been something that like obviously all over pop culture and social media you have like certain ideas of what being intimate with someone um looks like so i know that's weighed on me like there's like this performative aspect that i you know less so now but when i was younger i thought i had to play into um and that maybe meant you know wearing lingerie or like this angle of my body Mm. like only fuck me like this or like it's really interesting how it plays out and it's so different for everyone Um, But I guess we wanted to ask first off, like, how you relate to your body um, during this, like, really intimate act. Mm. Similar to you, I had a lot of unlearning to do about my sexual experience because, like most things you experience as a human, you have access to narratives that educate you about that experience. And unfortunately for sex, a lot of the most dominant narratives are performance. They are caricature. They are not real. And Mm -hmm. one would assume it'd be really clear to see through, but I think you don't, you don't recognize when you're being conditioned. You don't recognize when you're being programmed until you are so far gone um, that to reverse what's been done, it's going to take far more effort or like much more effort because to be subconsciously conditioned and now you have to consciously decondition, it's terrible. The thing I found Mm -hmm. really difficult for me was that 
I didn't in my when I lost my lost my virginity when I made my <laughs> sexual debut um for me that. it was just like I was with my friends it was like an activity it was like a bucket list it was like <gasps> we're gonna do this and then we're gonna give him mm-hmm. and then we're gonna get him and then we're gonna sleep with this mm-hmm. guy and mm-hmm. all of it was just entertaining for the benefit of like me and like my best friend at the time and none mm-hmm. of it was rooted in this actual desire to go and like sleep with someone I remember when I um, made my sexual debut. I think I was, I just turned 18 and I was one of the last people to turn 18 out of my friend group. Cause mm. I finished high school when I was 17. So they were mm. all, you know, doing the things that you do, going out, drinking. And I was like, okay, I'll be at home. So when I turned 18, New Year's was a big one for me. I was like, finally, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear sequins and go out. And I think sequins. I was <laughs> you know, we went to like this beach party in the Eastern suburbs in Sydney and that was great. And we went to like this club in Bondi, I think it was, who knows? I don't remember. But (laughs) what happened was I was with my best friend and I was like, should we sleep with someone tonight? And she was like, I think we should. That would be fun. (laughs) So the whole night we were just going around the club and almost like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> surveying the room being like who are we gonna sleep with this will be funny let's pick <laughs> friends so we can go to the same house and we can sleep in the same area and I was like okay this will be great so even like this idea of like spending this whole night guys will start talking to us be like oh no not that one not that one not that one because it was just gamified none of it was mm. uh it mm. was sincere in the sense that it was like what you do with your best friend it was like a night out but the actual um the, the pressure of being like i'm gonna lose my virginity there was no pressure we're like this is fun and so even mm. when it came to the point of the guys that we slept with what are their names who even knows i don't know mm. <laughs> what do they look like <laughs> i'm not sure but i remember even this idea of the guy that i was speaking to was more attractive than the one that my friend was speaking to and she's like I'll, I'll take one for the team so even the <laughs> fact that the first time she slept with someone was sleeping someone she didn't want to in favor of me getting to sleep, sleep with a cute guy what is that about like what mm. what soulless behavior is this <laughs> like, yeah it's really sacrificial, sacrificial. <laughs> you know, and we all know that your first sexual experience really does set the tone for mm. the experiences you have after even if you do or don't know or even if you do or don't realize and i remember that first sexual experience um this guy was so obviously confident um but he just was not sensual he was like careless in his movement but like so confident that i don't think he recognized that he was so careless just like so mm. rough so flippant flinging me around and i was like woohoo life is a roller coaster <laughs> right and I, was like, and I was like is this how it's meant to go i just feel like can we slow it down but i didn't know yeah. I was like, well, this guy probably knows what's happening and so mm. when i was debriefing with my best friend she's like so what was it like for you and i was like i don't know man like i was like <laughs> i was hanging off the bed at one point and then i was on the <laughs> side and i feel like it was good but i can't tell and she's like well i didn't get any of that like we were just in the one place like wow you're in the one place <laughs> so you can imagine that was the energy that I used for every sexual experience after. I was like, mm. the more adventure, the 
better. And um, the more theatrics, the better. Yeah. Because that's that's where the tone had been set. And I was regarding people who weren't having theatrical experiences as not being as sexually explicit mm-hmm. or as sexually educated. Because I was like, well, clearly I've had the best of the best or whatever. But it was so awkward. I would see that guy um, for like the next three years because, you know, the eastern suburbs is small, I guess. And if we are all yeah. the same age. And I would dodge him so quickly. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? I don't know what to do here. <laughs> and I think part of what I found really interesting about my first sexual experience is because I didn't, I think that I, the kind of curiosity I, the kind of curiosity I have was part informed by insecurity, but also informed by doing a first. And every mm. first you do as a young person is just game changing. It becomes obsessive. You become hyper fixated. Yeah. So it took a while for me to slow down and recognize what I was actually doing. I was like, wait, which mm. part is meant to feel good? Like, what if yeah. I feel bad afterwards? Was that just part of it? What happens then? And then, you know, now you get to 27 and I think that I have such, um, I'm like the antithesis of what of who, of who I was when I was 18. I'm like far more rigid. Mm. I'm far more concerned with boundaries and communicating. And sex for mm. me is still entertaining. And that's why I I know a lot of I date a lot of romantics who use sex as a tool to affirm intimacy. And so I recognize that from that first sexual experience that was just entertaining, I've held on to that concept of like, oh no, we just can do this for fun and I can show you different ways that I care for you and love you. Why would it be in this scenario? And, you know, turning down people for sex. I'm like, that shouldn't be an issue because like sex is just an activity. So people are like, mm-hmm. no, I just want to be loved by you. Why can't you just do this thing for me? And I'm like, I'm not horny right now, so I don't want to. <laughs> so true. And I think there's this narrative of like your first time is actually pretty shit mm. or like it hurts. And a lot of the time that is the case. But I think that's only the case because we're actually not taught how to enjoy it the first mm. time. Like, you know, maybe if, if you told me or maybe if I learned you know, this is how you can please me or, you know, this is what will what will give you pleasure, then maybe the first time we have sex will actually be really enjoyable. Mm. Um, the thing about sex is I feel as though the fundamental, the fundamental issue is that it lacks context. People mm-hmm. are introduced in it without the context of why they should do it, what it's used for, what what is important. Does pleasure matter? Does size matter? Does protection mm. matter? Does any of it matter? Is it all important? And so every sexual experience is like somebody is starting again and letting that sexual experience inform the experience they're going to have as opposed to amalgamating everything they know and bringing that mm. information to every sexual experience which is just like, "Mm, what is going on? Why aren't we thinking Mm. about this? But I also feel because we live in such a sex-centric society, people aren't prepared to be novices at something that is so Mm. blatantly in our faces. Nobody will admit to not knowing, not being able to do, not being comfortable because Mm. it it almost is a poor reflection of their character. Like somebody Mm, who isn't sexually experienced or you're a prude. Are you closed minded? Is it because you're religious? Mm. Are you a bigot? And suddenly it becomes, you know, a character attack. Or if you've slept with a lot of people, oh, do you not have self-respect? Do you not value your body? Do you not have, are you not discerning? Are you not a good judge of character? Mm. It's, it's just a lot for somebody to be thinking about. 
Yeah, 100%. And I feel like, yeah, it's kind of a case of damned if you do, damned if you don't. At least for me, it's like, okay, so I have, I'm trying to unlearn and I'm trying to recalibrate my mind when it comes to how I relate to sex and my body. And, you know, maybe there are instances where the performative element pops up. But then also, like, then being vulnerable is really hard and not relying on the performative mm-hmm. aspect. So trying to find that happy medium um, is is often quite hard to strike. Yeah, I recognise yeah. that performativity in any sense. I don't think it's completely unnecessary. You can't mm-hmm. know what you don't know. And so a lot of the time you are just mimicking and replicating and imitating what you've seen. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. sex is a highly traumatic interaction yeah. or a highly Seriously. defined <laughs> interaction. So performativity can actually be quite negative but in the grand scheme of things you need to to attempt before you know and that's Mm. why you know I don't look I don't view hookup culture in your early 20s as a negative because some of those lessons some of those ideas ideologies you just won't get to unless you've experienced it for what it is even the Mm. idea of actually understanding what your sexual experience is going to be like so much so than like what it's going to feel like like for me what i found to be really interesting was as somebody who's bigger plus side i was like oh fuck i just can't do all the positions i've seen in porn i don't have the stamina mm-hmm. for that or mm-hmm. my body can't mm-hmm. contort in that way or i have fat rolls where my body would easily move if i was skinnier and that i would not have learned would not have known if i hadn't have slept with people who'd put me in positions i'd be like i don't think i was gonna work i don't think i'd end in that way i don't I like, like this i don't think i like that Or even trying to understand um, what my pain tolerance is or what my comfort is or what my Mm. openness to certain things are. Like I used to think when I was in high school, well, even now, but I read a lot of erotica. So I was like, Mm. oh, my God, anal, easy. Like you just kind of like lube it up, use a butt plug. Even (laughs) putting a finger in my bum, I'm seizing. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) I don't understand. How, How do we get any bigger than this? And so it's it's like for me, sex sex and the perform sex and the performative aspect is trying to figure out like do my does my fantasy align with my reality in a practical Mm. way and what Mm. is my fantasy and is my fantasy informed by reality or is it just a separate thing on the side because that's the thing a lot of our fantasies. I'm not talking about like kinky sex. I'm talking about what we yeah. would like sex to be. It's not informed by reality. It's informed not by media and media is often mm. fake. And so I don't damn anyone who's like, I don't understand why I can't come. Everybody comes so easily on the TV. Totally. It's like, yeah, they do. So what is that about? <laughs> Let's unpack that. <laughs> so I guess you're suggesting that there was some form of transition that happened from, you know, how you related to your body back in school at 18 compared to now Mm. what was that moment or I guess what have you done to work towards that confidence or understanding your boundaries when it comes to your body and sex two things the first is critical thinking which we'll get into Mm. but the most instrumental was sleeping with someone who 
could show me in every way that I needed that I was sexually desirable, attractive, lovable, mm. all of those things. And this was not even somebody I dated. This was like a long-term fuck buddy who was like, I would never date this guy. This guy is a Leo. I'm sure he has a coke addiction. Like, <laughs> he's got an iffy relationship with his family. This is not somebody that I want to align myself with spiritually. <laughs> like, I, I just... I, okay, this is how I would paint the picture. Up until I had slept with this guy, everybody I'd slept with had either been a complete stranger or a friend. Or like, you know, mm. not like a not like a best friend, but you know, like someone in a friendship <laughs> group Mutual, or so. Yeah. yeah. So my approach was uh if it's a stranger, I can feel completely confident because they don't know me and I don't know them. But mm. I think that kind of let that kind of developed into like a sociopathy where I was like, I don't care what they think about me. I am just a stranger and I'll do whatever I want in this strange environment. And then with the friends, I was so concerned at the consequence of um, crossing that boundary. Um, And I was also so concerned that because we did know each other, we had to perform that intimacy. Like we had to have sensual sex and we had Mm. to be really caring because we Mm. couldn't pretend like there was no care there. And the only way I understood how to show intimacy through sex was to be sensual. Mm. And that was how I created Mm. that separation between sleeping with strangers and sleeping with friends. Like strangers, not sensual, not intimate. Mm. Friends, sensual, intimate, romantic. So this guy in between where we had met uh, in like a, not on an app, but in real life. And it wasn't a stranger, but wasn't a friend. And that sexual experience was the first I'd had with someone who was completely confident in their sexual identity. Like the freakiest Mm. person, everything was so sexual to this person. I remember telling the story of like the first time he like was like licking my armpits. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) What is this? You know, and I I was like, well, am I the closed minded one? Right, mm. and then like getting your ass ate for the first time. I was like, "This is crazy!" Mm. And there was, there was for this for this experience, there was no hesitation. There was no, mm. um, there was no like hesitation. There was no gambling. It was someone who was completely confident in their ability to give and receive pleasure. And I'd never mm. experienced that before. And I was like, "Oh, this is what it feels like to yeah. actually." give yourself to a situation and be completely open to that. And this is what it feels like to actually do foreplay and to actually feel yourself be ready and primed for this experience. This is what Mm. it feels like to truly be horny, not just like, like they're kind of hot. No, this is next level. (laughs) And I was so intoxicated and I felt invincible by being able to experience that through this person. And I swear mm. it's the reason why every time I'd break up with a boyfriend, I would just go back there. Cause I was like, this is, this from the jump this is it. was giving mm. what it was, what it needed to gave. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And it also wow. was, it became um, an easy way for me to, not an easy way, but also an unhealthy way for me to compare other sexual experiences. And I'd be like, mm. oh, that guy's a prude because um, like, he doesn't lick booty or that guy, mm. that guy um, is not sensual because he doesn't know how to make me come by eating me out. All of these things that were just like not fair to be judging yeah. other people by. But I was like that to me, I was like, oh. And also I didn't realize I was also sleeping with very like, insecure people, people who, you know, mm. didn't want to, their body to be shown, people who didn't want to be having sex with the lights on, people who mm. were, yeah. um, 
were sticking to missionary, not because they enjoyed it, because they were insecure to try something new. And insecurity mm. is something that we all deal with. But watching the way that manifests in someone's sexual performance is very interesting. And you see it the yeah. first time you start sleeping with someone you like, you're like, oh my goodness, I like them so much. I don't want to try anything new. Like, don't look at my roles. Like, oh, let's not do that. What's my back <laughs> like? So I understand. But then this guy was such an egomaniac such a showboaty egomaniac coat head wow. leader <laughs> but he didn't care yeah like, i'm hot you're hot this is hot like let's just have oh, sex that is so powerful epic. so that was the first thing well like yeah. no the most instrumental thing so get you one yeah. of those i don't know where you find those ones these days i met this one at a um at like a day party and I was it's a DJ, a so I was always out, mm. always out about meeting people. And being a DJ and being young was good because being the center of attention in those spaces, people naturally will come to you eventually. If not to compliment mm. you, they like your sound. Right. It becomes an easier open for like the, that initial interaction. So that yeah. was good. But I just feel like whatever I got from that experience was good, but it went on for too long and. <laughs> anyway, and then the second <laughs> was learning about critical thinking. And critical mm. thinking is the act of uh, using your both subjective experiences and your objective analysis to view and um, interpret information around you, you know, to mm. understand biases, to understand, uh, to be able to understand and determine what information means, how you use it, where it came from, mm. why it's important, why it impacts you. And so sex being a thing that you talk about a lot when you're in your early 20s, I mean, your whole life anyway, but your early 20s yeah. in particular, I think that once I had that in instrumental experience and it opened my mind to the possibilities of what a sexual experience could be like, I became really hyper aware of what else I didn't understand or what else I hadn't been considering. Mm -hmm. um, and so why was I perceiving his behavior to be confident? Was, um, was any of that experience consensual? Was I just mm -hmm. um, almost like a, a, a willing participant, but was I, was I a consenting participant? Mm -hmm. Was it worth, what are the implications of, connecting with someone on that level who you don't respect, who you don't like. Why was I using that experience to dictate the quality of other experiences of people I do like and do respect? And then once <laughs> yeah. you start doing that, eventually start using critical thinking to look at yourself. And so you start mm. to reflect on, oh, you know, why did I feel really confident in that experience? Why couldn't I, why couldn't I just say what I needed in that experience? Why did I tell him that he wasn't actually touching my clit in that experience? Why didn't I say <laughs> it hurt? Why didn't I say I needed lube? Why didn't I say I wasn't comfortable to not use a condom why didn't I do this and when you keep mm. asking yourself why you realize there's no good reason to not present yourself in these experiences that are, mo are most conducive to how you feel so when it comes to my body for instance I think what made um, me finding confidence really easy is that I recognize that at the beauty standard, fatness is not the beauty standard, but I had never felt insecure about my body when I was having sex because the people I was having sex with liked my body, mm. right? So yeah. you're thinking, because in my head, or like when I would talk to my friends, you know, girls, most of us are hot. Like even, even on our worst mm. day, we're pretty cute. So yeah. I'm looking at my friends who I regard to be super hot um, and like, all spectrums of weight, size, shape, ethnicity, and objectively mm. beautiful, feeling so insecure about sleeping with someone they know finds them attractive. 
And yeah. so I'm thinking, what is the dissonance? Are you, yeah. and, and I was thinking the root of most insecurity comes from how you're perceiving others to be perceiving you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's it's it. not someone telling you your body's rank. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. you thinking from what I understand about the world and society, mm. objectively, this person shouldn't find me attractive. And I would rather mm. take what I know than what this experience is telling me. Because often when we deviate from the norm, when we create exceptions to the rules, we're usually then usually not informed. But in this mm. particular instance, it mm. is informed. If somebody is pursuing you to have sex with you, whether or not they like you or not like you, it means they're aware of what you look like. We kind of get the gist. You're not hiding your acne. You're not hiding your weight. You're not hiding Mm. whatever. It's very clear to them. And you need to trust they've made a conscious decision Mm. to see you and then want to sleep with you. And whether or not you feel comfortable about that exchange is something that you need to self-assess. But I always remind myself to look at the facts. If somebody, Mm. if I'm out at a day party or I'm out at a bar and somebody's approached me, in all my glory to say, hey, I think you're attractive and I buy you a drink. <laughs> mm-hmm. What use is it for me to now reverse engineer this narrative? They yeah. are the hallmarks, they're trying to make fun of me. They like, oh my God, they don't know that I'm fat, blah, blah, blah. Mm, no, I'm sure they can tell, babe. Um, I think they can see <laughs> you for what it is. I also yeah. think that the part that sex is missing a lot is practicality and pragmatism. So much of sex really is black and white and we overcomplicate it with our insecurities Mm. and our biases and everything. Even as simple as, you know, why do I not feel comfortable to let somebody see me when I'm having sex with them? You don't feel comfortable about sex then. That's very Mm. simple. You know, you're not uncomfortable to walk to your car and sit in it. You're not uncomfortable (laughs) to sit down at the movies with your friends. So clearly there's just a natural discomfort with your relationship to sex. Why don't you start Mm. there? And I Mm. often think that people are trying to, what is that, um, that theory Occam's razor? Like the simplest answer is probably the correct answer. If you are uncomfortable, there is a discomfort. So instead of trying to suppress the discomfort or to distract yourself from that discomfort, figure out what it is coming from and then make yourself more comfortable. So if you think, okay, I'm uncomfortable about having my body being seen, what would make you feel more comfortable? Being validated about the parts that make you feel uncomfortable. So be like, my boobs are so small. You need to go ask that guy if he likes your boobs. (laughs) Or ask that girl if they like your boobs. If you're like, oh, my Mm. God, my lips are too big, my vagina, whatever, you need to go to the person you're sleeping with and be like, hey, I'm going to need some validation really quickly before I feel comfortable because if I don't feel comfortable, I can't have sex with you. And the thing you need to imagine, right, is if you, the insecure person, had your (laughs) partner come to you and tell you, I too am insecure, right? Mm. Like, Mm. I remember, and I don't mean to laugh, but I just remember one of my first boyfriends, like this tall, six foot three, lanky dude, like no body fat, whatever. And I remember the one of the the first couple times we had sex, he kept getting up to turn off the light, and I was mm. like, "Oh, is he doing that for me? Does he think that I don't want the lights on? Because right. maybe I'd given the impression, right?" So I had said, "Oh, you can leave the lights on." He's like, "I'd prefer if we didn't." 
So then I, being my, you know, egocentric person, was like, oh, fuck, he doesn't want to see my body. Mm-hmm. Ew, like, mm-hmm. I'm the problem. So afterwards, just being, you know, relying on that, like, adolescent hubris and ego I had, I was like, hey, what is that about? Because if you don't think I'm cute and you don't want to see me, then, like, I don't want to do no this. Time. He was like, he yeah. was like yeah. no, like, so it's me. And I was like, what? He's like, oh, I've got like all these freckles on my body. And like, I don't know, people are weird about freckles. And I was like, who the fuck's weird about freckles? <laughs> and he's like, oh, you know, like my family wants to tease me about them, blah, blah, oh. blah. And I was in my head, like, oh, I didn't react well. I laughed. I was like, you're an idiot. Like, who cares about freckles? But the yeah. same, mm-hmm. I've had the same interactions where someone's being like, who cares that your boobs aren't perky? They're huge. Mm-hmm. Or who cares yeah. about a role? And they make you feel ridiculous about having this insecurity and you're like no but it's yeah. real like people have said yeah. this to me before and so I had to start leveling out and being like oh if I if everyone who who comes to this table is insecure in some way then the easiest thing to do is to create a foundation of security through validation so yeah. like sex is not the validation it's the feeling good about the sex is the validation and that starts yeah. so small you know how long do you get to before you realize you've never complimented your partner about their performance about their body about um how they care for you about how they show you intimacy all of these things are markers of validation that we actually do require and these things don't roll over with every ex- every sexual experience mm-hmm. every partner it has to happen mm-hmm. every time you sleep yeah. with your partner every time you have a sexual experience Mm. and it can be hard to remember because we're um centering our own issues without recognizing that we are as responsible for the other person's sexual experience so another thing you could do is don't don't assume that it's your responsibility alone to make yourself completely comfortable when you're doing something with someone or someone else like it's it's a group responsibility now in the same way and I I keep thinking that if you take care of each other if you're making sure that your partner feels really comfortable and they're making sure that you feel really comfortable then everybody's comfortable and then you can take your time learning how to really love yourself learning how to feel really validated and maybe that'll Mm. become easier when you have someone every day being like oh my goodness like you look so good you're turning me on like gosh you're really beautiful you're really handsome like you are so yeah. like careful with me you care so much like all of yeah. those things are going to be far more beneficial than everyone trying to role play confidence it's really not innate that's actually so refreshing to hear because I feel like a lot of the time we hear you don't need that validation. Like you don't need a guy to tell you that you're hot to believe that you're hot. But I think what you're saying is it's not about relying solely on that external validation. It's about having a mutually beneficial relationship where you bring each other back to reality. And you're like, I'm having sex with you because I think you're beautiful and I want to have sex with you. It's almost like, let's stop with the mystery stop with the illusion and be a bit more forthcoming about what the experience actually is Mm. like even this whole idea of someone having like the skill set to make you come we need to be more congratulatory for that or even Mm. being in an experience where you're actually enjoying yourself Mm. and while you may not have the confidence or the ability or the vocab to say it in the moment where it's happening that feedback needs to be given because like (laughs) it's so easy for us to um (laughs) 
it's so easy for our minds to go into negative places and that kind of thinking compounds, you know, like yeah. one bad thought compounds into two bad thoughts, oh, compounds yeah. into four bad thoughts, compounds into 10 bad thoughts. And if you're not getting complimented or validated just as much, then how are you expecting to feel naturally comfortable? I always say you don't arrive at the destination you want to be at by doing the same thing you're doing now. You have to make small incremental steps that mm. propel you to that destination and you have to be accountable for these experiences. Yeah. Can't just be Fully, relying yeah. on someone to have all the skills to make it real good for you. I think the trust thing is such a big thing for me. Like I I just doubt everything and my mind like I goes to the negative thoughts and definitely I so relate to that feeling of needing to overcompensate or feeling like I don't know, just sometimes overwhelmed in the negativity of it all. But I think if you strip back all those layers and the facts of it like I am sleeping with someone right now who finds me really attractive I you know that is a powerful thing like attraction that you know someone finds you someone sees you for you um yeah I think that that thought pattern doesn't come naturally to a lot of people and I think I think you put it so well and everyone needs to freaking write it down get it tattooed or whatever (laughs) maybe to learn it Yeah, especially if you are someone who is continually seeking out sexual experiences. Mm. I think that it can be really hypocritical to put all this effort into finding someone to sleep with or securing that partner just to have a really uninformed experience with them. And that is Mm. what it's like for most people. We're just looking for that validation that like, fuck, we still got it. Somebody does want to sleep with us. Somebody does think we're attractive. But like, then what is the point now for you to just have that mm-hmm. sexual experience, feel insecure, feel invalidated, feel as though your needs weren't considered? Is that really what you did all that work for? Um, yeah. And taking the time to like, I don't know, it's for me, it's all about intention um, and really unpacking what you think these experiences are going to do for you. Because mm-hmm. I definitely recall when I was in my early 20s, I had really grand ideas of the role that sex was meant to play in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a byproduct of media, but also a byproduct of sleeping with men and recognizing how sexually, how sex centered their lives are. You know, they just cannot look at you without feeling sexual, (laughs) sexualizing people, sexualizing objects, watching sex, doing sex things. And I know obviously this is a this is a stereotype and a generalization, but we can generally say that Mm -hmm. if you are someone who dates and sleep sleeps with sexually interested men, it's the pattern that you recognize. It's like, oh gosh, Mm -hmm. like can you think about anything else? Can you like do you have any other interests aside from wanting to sleep with me in this moment and I think it's really interesting how much they can how much they can suppress other areas of their life to have sex like when I speak to some of my male friends I'm kind of like you really don't have standards because sex is the prize for you you will sleep with people who cross your boundaries constantly you will sleep with people you're not attracted to you will sleep with people who make you feel uncomfortable you will sleep with people unsafely just so you can have just for sex, sex. Mm. have you no shame I see you're flicking through your flex cards I am I'm trying to find some good questions for us yeah because we're like mm, I think it's that time Haha, ha. sus to be rude, but we just left you on a cliffhanger. 
Don't worry though, because in part two, you'll get to hear us play a live version of the Reflex Cards, Sex Edition. Think Cards Against Humanity, only better because they lead to conversations you actually want to have with your besties or a complete rando. We're talking BDSM, Fifty Shades of Grey, Experimental Sex, and so much more. So make sure to subscribe on Apple and Spotify because you really won't want to miss this one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.